Hey everyone, it's Jasmine from Jasmine's Astrology, but you can call me Jay. And for today's video, I'm going to chat about the astrology of May 1st to May 7th, 2023. But first things first, if you do enjoy my videos, I would very much appreciate a like and a subscribe. It's super helpful and it's super free. And if you wanted to support my work in any other ways, you can always check out my website, jasminesastrology.com for consultations and other astrology offerings. So uh, yeah, if you follow me on Instagram at Jasmine's Astrology, you might have voted to have me do weekly forecasts instead of like just one-off videos. So this is the beginning of the weekly forecast. Thank you to everyone, to all the people that voted for that. It was it was a great, um, great turnout for the vote and <laughs> like a fun result. So thank you for taking part of, in that. And um just a heads up that for any and all transits that I bring up in this video, you can always personalize them further by looking at the houses that the transits are taking place in. And you, if you need like a refresher or uh, an introduction to what the houses mean, you can grab your free copy of my PDF on the houses. There will be a link in the show notes or the video description, depending on how you're watching slash listening to this. So let's dive into May. One more thing, I to make this sustainable for myself, like to do a weekly video like this, a weekly forecast, I have decided that I will not be editing these videos. I mean, unless something like super wild happens and it just, you know, it can't stay in. Um, but yeah, I think that that is going to make the most sense for me. And hopefully it'll make sense for you too. And you'll still find it enjoyable. And yeah, so that's what it's going to be. Um, don't really know what else to say about that. Mercury is retrograde while I record this. So I assume there will be some snafus, but we'll have all the fun along the way. I am sure. Okay. So May 1st, first thing that happens in May is Pluto stationing retrograde at zero degrees of Aquarius. This is on May 1st at around 1 10 PM Eastern. And you know, this is super normal. Like Pluto goes retrograde every year, nothing to worry about. And in fact, it's, it's really just the first of many retrogrades that Pluto is going to have in the sign of Aquarius. So it is a, it's part of a longer process, a longer story, you know, with like a Mercury retrograde, we kind of have a more concise and compact story. We have the direct movement, the retrograde movement, the uh, direct movement again, all within like kind of two months of each other. And so we can have like a, a clearer picture of what's going on there within a shorter amount of time. But with something like with a planet like Pluto that moves so super slow, this is a like decades long story, a two decades long story. So this is just the first of many times that the the themes and the topics that we are experiencing and exploring uh, with Pluto and Aquarius are just sort of getting the reversal and and the revising and the revisiting treatment, you know, like Pluto in this new territory of Aquarius and in a new house of your chart might have started to initiate some processes of transformation and of healing. Um, it may have brought some power dynamics to into focus or maybe called you to question like what's really going on in that area of life, like what's beneath the surface of all of this. It may have brought themes of loyalty, honesty, and trust center stage for you in that area of life. But for now, we're sort of invited to just 
back burner all of that. Like we're not forgetting that it's there. We're not going to let it overboil or anything, but we are letting it simmer because we have some unfinished business of the Plutonian kind in Capricorn, in our Capricorn houses. And so we're going to need to finalize and wrap up all of that stuff before we can actually fully dive into the Pluto in Aquarius story. So we're not fully back in Capricorn yet. We're still just doing the retrograde thing in Aquarius. Um, So we're starting to put those things on the back burner. And honestly, with an outer planet um, station like this, not everyone is going to feel it. Not everyone will really have uh, had like a super deep connection with Pluto in Aquarius yet because it's only got to zero degrees. But for anybody that does have planets or points at zero degrees of the fixed sign, so Aquarius, Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio, you will probably feel this a little more potently than anybody else that doesn't have stuff going on there in their chart. So putting that out there because sometimes these outer planets station retrograde or station direct, and it's kind of like, eh, didn't really feel it. So totally normal. All right, so next thing on May 1st at around 7.25 p.m. Eastern, we have Mercury retrograde conjunct the sun at 11 degrees Taurus. This is our Mercury Kazemi, um, Mercury at the heart of the sun. This is a position where Mercury has access to all of the sun's wisdom and like little secrets and, um, you know, fun stuff that it doesn't really get access to all the time, but it comes into this position and it has access. It kind of has like the sun's the sun's ear in a way. Um, And it does offer a slight respite from the retrograde because uh, being in that very privileged position, Mercury can sometimes get these, um, you know, these shining moments of clarity all of a sudden. Uh, This also signals that we are halfway through the retrograde. So it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're moving through a forest And all of a sudden we can start to see light at the other end of the woods. And so we're not all the way through the woods yet, but we're starting to see uh, the finish line. And so maybe the, the story about this Mercury retrograde is becoming clearer for us on this day of the Kazemi. It's always a good day when we have a Mercury Kazemi to keep a notebook handy so that you can, you know, jot down and document uh, any of these ideas or like bits of clarity that do come through because we don't necessarily want to make any moves yet, right? Like Mercury is still retrograde. We will have to wait until, you know, the end of May until the shadow period is over. But we do want to pay attention to what's coming into awareness for us so that we can act on it later if it still makes sense, right? And because this is happening in Taurus, um, I do think that spending time outside or in spaces that you find comfortable and comforting might help to trigger these insights. I don't think that we get any like aha moments from external sources. Uh, Because like, if we think about Mercury being in the heart of the sun, it means it's completely invisible. So Mercury is in this like very internal space. And so we're in this very internal space when it comes to those mercurial things. And so we are learning something about Uh, the Taurus house topics about our curiosity there, about our communication there, about our thoughts there that we can really only learn by listening to ourselves. Um, So, you know, if there's like, if there's things in life that as of late, like just haven't been making sense, 
this might be the perfect day to set aside some time to really sit in reflection of those things and see what kinds of like new understandings might come your way that will hopefully then lead to some sort of like solution or resolution down the road. And it is a moment of purification and cleansing for Mercury. And so we might also want to consider like what we're cleansing, what we're sort of purifying uh, in terms of our thoughts and our ideas and our perspectives and the way we communicate um, in that Taurus area of life. And especially with a focus on the mind-body connection because Mercury, a planet of the mind, is in Taurus, which is ruled by Venus. And it's a very bodily, physical, material sort of sign. And so how how do our thoughts affect our bodies and how might we, you know, start fresh in that regard? So next up on May 4th at 1.35 p.m. Eastern, we will have Venus and Gemini square Neptune in Pisces at 26 degrees. Now, anytime Neptune is in the mix, it is a time to move slower. It is a time to make more space for rest. We want to uh, take time and, and set aside time for creative outlets, for spiritual practices. Uh, it might be a good day to go out to the movies or watch that new TV show, pick up that book from the library. Um, because there's going to be some level of confusion when it comes to relationships and interactions with other people in general. There's something we're not seeing clearly. We might have some rose-colored glasses on um, or have like an expectation that simply just can't be met. With Neptune, there is this inclination towards wanting to escape, uh, wanting to get like a little, or not even wanting, but just sort of uh, succumbing to getting swept up in fantasies. You know, we want to escape the harshness of reality for a little bit, probably because we're feeling a little overwhelmed with all of our obligations and duties and just with like adulting in general. I mean, like Mercury has been retrograde. We are in eclipse season. There's a lot going on. And this escape that Neptune sort of invites us into can be really good if we're channeling that into something creative. But it's not as helpful if we have these like fantastical ideas and then we start placing unrealistic expectations on ourselves and other people. Um, because we're only human and the square configuration sort of just doesn't bode well for these fantastical desires to be made manifest. And so we might find ourselves navigating some disappointment on this day. We were hoping for something that just isn't going to be possible. Um, plans that we made aren't living up to the sort of idea that we had of them, which is why I do say that like going to catch that movie, watching a, a new TV show, getting lost in a good book or if you play music, playing some music, if you're an artist doing some paintings or like pulling some tarot cards, something like that. Um, those are like good activities to channel that desire to escape into because they can sort of take us to the fantastical heights that the real world cannot. 
And so we can feed that desire through those things instead of like relying on other people or even ourselves to give us what is just unrealistic. And there are, of course, plenty of ways to escape reality. And we have to decide, you know, for ourselves, which of those paths is going to be the most nourishing and beneficial or at least what will be the least depleting of those paths. Like, I mean, you know, a great escape might be a glass of wine and Netflix all day. But well, maybe let me say this, it might be a good glass of wine and an episode on on whatever streaming platform you prefer. But then where do we cross the line and it turns into an entire bottle of wine and we've watched like three seasons of a show that maybe is like, not going to help us. We're not going to wake up the next day feeling super rested or nourished by the escape that we had. So ultimately, that is for you to decide how you would prefer to escape reality. But just keep in mind that Neptune can make things messy and hazy and unclear. And so planning ahead of time, like, yeah, I want to escape for a little bit tonight after work. I'm going to have that glass of wine while I watch this movie, and then that's going to be enough. Okay. Now, the escape that we might be craving, again, like might be through other people, through our relationships, but Neptune tends to dissolve boundaries, which can be super helpful if we have been um, feeling barriers or, or if we've been feeling blocked or had some barriers in our relationships. But it's not as helpful when we are like maybe romanticizing things a little bit and then don't realize that we have overstepped. We might be seeking something from a relationship that actually can't be found in another person under this Venus square Neptune. If you guys have watched my other videos, you probably heard me talk about Venus sextile Neptune, which was a much nicer vibey vibe energy I mean, these two planets coming together can be really nice and dreamy and indulgent, but under the square, it's, it's just harsher and it's like they're working at cross purposes and it's not coming together in the way that you would like. And so, you know, we can't find these things in other people. Again, those unrealistic expectations. And so this is where we want to turn to our creative outlets, to our spiritual outlets, um, and channel all of that need into those things. Now, what I do want to say is that like this transit, this square is not going to have a super long lasting effect. I mean, it's probably in play for about 24 to 48 hours, probably closer to 24 hours. So like long-term relationships aren't going to be, you know, brutally affected or anything, but I would say don't start a new relationship under this energy because the lines of reality are just a little too blurry, I think, to make anything that's going to be long lasting or real. Um, And, you know, like Mercury is ruling over Venus right now and is retrograde. So that just adds another layer of like, take it easy, slow it down. Miscommunications are possible. And Also at this point, the moon will have entered Scorpio. And so that lunar eclipse energy has begun to build and increase. And that's just making things even more uncertain. So it's definitely just a good time to be moving slower, practicing some caution and just like throw all of this escape energy, this fantastical energy into your tarot readings or into writing a story even like, you know, anything like that. 
All right. So the very next day, May 5th, um, and super early at like 12 a.m. Eastern, we will have a different energy coming through for Venus, which is really nice. We're going to have Venus in Gemini, sextile Jupiter in Aries. And this will help to turn things around for Venus after that square. That's happening at 27 degrees, by the way. Um, this will help to turn things around for Venus uh, after that square with Neptune. This is a very lovely and supportive energy. It's two helpful planets meeting under a very helpful aspect. So it can help to shift the mood or the perspective to something more positive, more uplifting. Uh, it could indicate some positive progress within relationships. So, you know, maybe if something was feeling a little stuck or too muddled to navigate under the Venus Neptune energy, it now gets a little boost and some confidence with Jupiter coming through. There's definitely some beneficial growth that's possible within relationships. There's a nice exchange of energy. Sorry, there's a nice exchange of generosity and kindness and support between you and other people. It's an energy where give and take feels really balanced. It's a very collaborative aspect. It's good for making agreements. Um, we're coming together just very easily with others under a sort of um, shared vision, a shared idea, a shared passion. Um, and something that we're excited about too, Jupiter and Aries is very excited and enthusiastic. And Jupiter is kind of amplifying the Venus in Gemini desire for playful and curious interactions, you know, which might feel especially potent after the like muted energy from the Venus Neptune uh, interaction. So like maybe we did, maybe under the Venus Neptune, we did do a bunch of creative work or we did watch a new movie, you know, new to us, whatever. Um, and then now all we want to do is share that experience with our loved ones, with our friends. Like we want to just share all of our thoughts and feels about it. And Maybe the areas in which we did feel some of that disappointment from Neptune, um, we're actually able to shift our perspective and feel some gratitude, feel some abundance in that area of life. Again, with Jupiter just coming in and being able to um, uplift things and inspire and just make things generally better, honestly. And the one caveat I will say is that neither Mercury or Mars. Um, these are the ruling planets of Venus and Jupiter at the moment. Neither of them are in great condition as rulers. And so, um, you know, one of them's retrograde, one of them's in their position of fall and about to be ruling over an eclipse. And so this Venus, uh, Jupiter is probably a very brief soothing bomb, but it's a soothing bomb nonetheless. And we should certainly take advantage, especially before what's coming next. Because next up, same day, May 5th, 1.35 p.m. Eastern, we have the lunar eclipse in Scorpio at 14 degrees. This is the big news of the week for sure, and I am not going to sugarcoat it. This is a really emotionally loaded eclipse. So it's a full moon. It's in a water sign. It's in Scorpio, and it's ruled by Mars in a water sign and it's in its fall. 
Um, it's also near the South Node. The South Node is all about purging and letting go and releasing. And so on paper, this eclipse looks like just a lot of crying or like screaming or like whatever helps you to get emotions up and out of your body. This is our last South Node eclipse in Scorpio for about 18 years. And South Node eclipses usually symbolize some level of endings and emptying out in general. And so that just feels really underscored with it being the last of the South Node eclipses in Scorpio for, you know, the next almost two decades. So this could be the last go of like a cleansing of a particular area of our lives, the last sort of round of detox, because you've probably been working to clear away bullshit and excess from this part of your life since like January of 2022, when the nodes first moved in to Scorpio and Taurus. There's likely been some level of navigating difficult and uncomfortable emotions. Uh, and now with Mars in Cancer ruling over this uh, Scorpio eclipse and Scorpio being so good at keeping receipts um, and Cancer having that sort of um, inclination towards the past and, and a bit of nostalgia and sentimentality. I do feel like some of the emotions coming up for this eclipse are past wounds, they're old wounds, they're maybe even from our childhoods, um, stuff that still needs releasing, still needs healing, um, and that we're finally like making peace with, or we're at least taking the steps towards finally making peace with. This eclipse is definitely a call for some emotional purging, getting rid of toxic feelings, getting rid of toxic anger, you know, anger to a point can be beneficial, can be helpful. We need anger, but past a certain threshold, it's like, it is toxic, right? So, um, and you know, going back to Scorpio holding on to receipts, I can tell you that I have held on to both literal and figurative receipts until they disintegrate in my hands. And it is so liberating to just throw them away. And that is one of my biggest pieces of advice for this eclipse is to just lean into, give into, um, surrender to the South Node's invitation to purge and release and get rid of shit. It's not always going to be easy. I think some of the stuff that we get rid of, like even, even physical stuff, like, you know, I think this is a good time to, if you are the type of person that like throughout the week, just sort of like piles appear in your house, like, oh, and I'll deal with that later. Like, I'm going to put that there because I don't have time to deal with it now, but I will deal with it later. Deal with it now. This is the week to deal with it because you want to declutter your space. And also, you know, those thoughts that keep coming back of like, shit, I meant to, to handle that. I meant to do this. I meant to do this. Do it. Be proactive about these things clear away the clutter from your mental space, from your emotional space, from your physical space, work with the South node to purge and empty out. Um, and I think maybe sometimes if we are getting rid of physical stuff, like honestly, I've been cleaning out closets since January of 2022, all closets, all cabinets, it has felt so good, but there has been times where there's a particular item that like, it doesn't bring me real joy anymore. It doesn't serve any purpose, but I had it for so long that it still feels a little difficult to part with and it makes me cry. And that 
you know, eventually that feels really good because that's both the physical release and the emotional release. So I don't know. It's a great time, in my opinion, to go through shit, get rid of shit and let it go. Um, you know, the South Node really doesn't care for material possessions or like earthly success in like any way. It's a very spiritual energy. And so, you know, again, we might find that getting rid of those things can really have a good effect on our emotional well-being. Like, you know, getting rid of that physical thing helps us to then it helps like an emotional weight be lifted. We feel a little bit lighter. We feel a little bit more joyful. It's not easy to get rid of the thing, but the net positive is good. Um, I will say, excuse me, in general, the net positive from the South Node seems to be really beneficial. Like personally speaking, having had the South Node move through my first house for the last year and a bit, I have been shedding layers like crazy. And like, it hasn't been easy and it has been a time of like physical depletion for sure. But I feel so much more connected to the core of who I am because I just got rid of excess and baggage and bullshit. So lean into it as much as possible. Um, You might even be, uh, you know, cutting ties with relationships or saying no to certain responsibilities and obligations. Like, no longer being available for certain things, especially to those relationships and those obligations where it's like, you know, you're kind of running on empty. Like they deplete you every time you engage in this activity or that you talk to this person, but you keep pushing because like, that's what you've always done. And that's just what feels normal. But this is the time to break that pattern and to stop doing it. Cut the tie. Um, And in terms of that, there might be something that you just like, you feel like, you know, you need to break the tie. You can't explain it logically or rationally. And I wouldn't expect a lot of clarity or rationality around this time because the South node is all gut feeling. So roll with that. Like, you know, feel into those emotions, those feelings, those knowings, and just trust them. There's definitely a pretty high probability for physical depletion around this eclipse. Sometimes they act like power surges and we have like all of this energy all of a sudden. But if we like go too far with that, we will absolutely burn ourselves out. But not only that, with this eclipse in particular, the moon is in Scorpio, which is the sign of its fall. And it's being ruled by a planet that is also in its fall. It's And, you know, the moon being so close to the south node, which again is all about emptying and purging. And um, I just feel like our ability to access nourishment and protection, I guess, for our physical body might be a little bit harder to access. So just like focusing on rest, focusing on hydration, all that kind of thing, really important. Um. And then, yeah, one final point about this eclipse on a more technical note uh, is that, you know, the moon in Scorpio is being ruled by Mars in Cancer, which is being ruled by the moon in Scorpio. So we have this really interesting um, manifestation of mutual reception where each planet involved, yes, they are exchanging signs, but they are in a sign where they're fallen, where they do not have the access to resources that they would prefer to have. And so I don't think that this is super beneficial the way a mutual reception usually would be. I think it actually just kind of highlights 
and emphasizes weak spots and makes the instability a little bit more apparent. But if we pay attention to the stuff that comes up in terms of weak spots, in terms of instability, in terms of like, you know, what's going on with our physical health, our bodily well-being, then we know moving forward, like, okay, those areas need more TLC for me moving forward. So not an easy time. Like, I'm not saying that like, oh, it's going to be good for you to purge and get rid of all this shit and to feel instability and weakness. But like, we can use it to make things better moving forward. So. Okay, so then a couple days later on May 7th at around 1025 a.m. Eastern, Venus will move into Cancer. This is my news of the week. I mean, obviously the eclipse is the big news, but this is like such a soft energy to happen at the end of the week. And it feels really nice, I think. Um, So as Venus shifts into a water sign, the social butterfly energy of Gemini gets quieted. And, you know, we find ourselves seeking connection with familial bonds, with the people that we consider to be our nearest and dearest. We're coming into the heart and into the belly with Cancer. There's a very strong home body vibe with Venus and Cancer. We want to be cozy and comfortable when we're spending time with our loved ones. You know, the small talk at parties or the kind of like quick burst of bubbly interactions just doesn't have the same appeal in general, right? Because of course, there's always going to be people that do prefer small talk, socializing in that way, that's totally fine. But as like a collective energy, we're drawn towards connections that go a little deeper, that provide a certain kind of comfort and security and safety. We're looking to nurture the bonds that are critical to our survival. So, you know, that includes ourselves and our physical bodies and our emotional health. And what a nice way to sort of soften the edges of that eclipse. We're ready to be a little more vulnerable in our relationships. There's a pleasure to be gained through connections that provide a layer of emotional bonding, of support and nourishment that you can't really get through the fun and flirty energy of Venus and Gemini. And, you know, for anyone that did meet someone under the Venus and Gemini energy, maybe this shift is like a... It's signaling that the connection is getting a little deeper, a little more tender, a little more emotional. Um, if that's what you're into, if you're not, I don't know, maybe it's time to cut and run. You're done. <laughs> uh, yeah, Venus and Cancer connections and emotions from the past, possibly as far back as childhood, could come into play during this transit. There is a bit of nostalgia within Cancer energy, and water draws down. It pulls in. So we're reflecting on past relationships, past love, past friendships. Maybe we're remembering something from a past connection that gave us um, the kind of emotional support that we crave, and then we can look to integrate that back into our lives in the present day, not necessarily the relationship, but the way we felt or um, the things that brought us comfort and security in those ways. We could also be feeling quite sentimental in current relationships, like conversations could turn towards reminiscing about shared memories from the past. We might feel called to gift someone something that is like a token of a very joyful shared memory. 
it's a really tender and protective energy. It's like really ooey gooey and lovely and like just do sweet things for your friends and the people you love, you love because it's going to feel really good under this transit. Um, Venus will be under the moon's rulership while in cancer. So there will be some fluctuation in relationships and in the ways that we seek pleasure and leisure. So one day we might feel really nice cozying up on the couch with some popcorn and a good movie. But a few days later, when the moon is in a different sign, we are like, we need to make an elaborate meal so that we can nourish, um, like an elaborate home cooked meal so that we can nourish all of our friends and all of our loved ones and make sure they feel, you know, that mama bear energy or that papa bear energy. Um, so just go with the flow because Venus in the moon's home is really soft and really lovely. And the more we can lean into it, the nicer and the cozier things will be. And, you know, Venus and cancer, it's no longer navigating this opposition from Pluto in Capricorn, which it has been dealing with since like 2008 or something. I mean, it's been more than a decade. So this just means that we get a, uh, a freer and a more pure expression of what Venus wants when it's in a moon-ruled sign. And then the first aspect Venus is going to make while it's in Cancer is a trine with Saturn over in Pisces, which I'm super here for. I feel like that's going to really help solidify the relationships and bonds that are supportive of our long-term happiness and success and will help us to set boundaries in ways that protect us from people and interactions that aren't beneficial. And I realize that I'm totally skipping ahead and I'll just save everything else because that's going to be in next week's video. So that is what I've got for you this time around. As a final word here, I would just say like, do not over schedule yourself from like Thursday onwards. Like once the moon moves into Scorpio, try to get stuff done early in the week um, so that you can have that space for rest and reflection during the eclipse. And I wish everyone just like the best of luck with all of that. Let me know in the comments if you have any questions about this first week of May. Otherwise, I'd love to hear how this astrology is playing out for you or how April was for you, or if you have any additional thoughts on the interpretations that I've shared here. I'm here for all of it. You can drop a comment below or you can DM me or get in touch or whatever uh, on Instagram at Jasmine's Astrology. Thank you all so much for watching. And until next week, I'll catch you in the cosmos.